0: Well, what we're going to be talking about, you probably kind of figured it out by looking at the screen up here. Let's See, what's that word? Anger. anger. And I was thinking, you know, probably the people in our church don't deal with anger that much. That's kind of what I was thinking. I might just be kind of wasting my time talking about this theme, you reckon? Oh, before we do get into our lesson uh, tonight, I would like to uh, remind you... Many of you are aware, uh, a little while back, they had some tremendous flooding in Louisiana. And, uh, you know, what we want to do is just take an offering for those people. Tens of thousands of people were affected. There'll be a bucket at the tithe boxes if you're interested. And there's no pressure to do so. I know a pastor down there, my own stuff, and it's a huge church. It's a, they have seven campuses. And six of their seven campuses is underwater. So, uh, and that's just the churches. That's the people who are helping the people who are down and out. You know, so there's a tremendous need in Louisiana. So if you'd like to make some kind of a contribution to the folks down there, you can put it in the, uh, the bucket. There'll be a bucket at each of the tithe boxes as you leave. Um, let's see, was there anything else? I suppose that was pretty much it, I think. Okay. Yeah, the, uh, the, the video clip. Does that sound like your home? Don't answer that, okay? Have you ever heard anything like that anywhere before? You know, or it's just kind of foreign to you, you know? Um, I came across this little statement that says, Speak when you are angry, and you'll make the best speech that you will ever regret. Have you ever said anything in anger that you wish you hadn't have said? Wish you could take it back? And I've seen people type emails, you know, and before they could cool down, they hit send. And after they send it, for about five or 10 minutes, they're going like, oh, I wish I hadn't sent that. Or mail a letter, you know? We've regretted often things that we have done when anger was controlling us. It says in the book of Proverbs 15, verse 1, it says a gentle answer. A gentle word, a gentle answer. You're, you got a conversation going between you and someone. A gentle answer deflects. Another translation says turns away anger. A gentle. You start raising your voice. I mean, do y'all know how to raise the voice? if you needed to get somebody's attention yeah i was just checking to see if y'all have those volume controls in there but it says a gentle answer it deflects anger but harsh words makes tempers flare and i think we know of lots of times where the uh f- buttons are in f- people do you know how to push somebody's buttons and get them aggravated if you wanted to And they probably know where your buttons are at as well. But the Bible says a gentle answer, it deflects anger. It it turns anger away if we speak in gentle, kind terms. But harsh words, harsh words, it makes tempers flare. You know, it just stirs things up. So we can make a choice if we want to. As we study this topic tonight, we have a choice to make. We can you know, let anger control us or we can take control of the situation. Really. Richard Walters, a psychiatrist in Grand Rapids, Michigan, he writes, people will be murdered today because of someone's anger. Others will die from physical ailments resulting from or aggravated by their angry feelings. Many people die and anger-related auto accidents, while others carry out the angriest act of all, suicide. Countless relationships die little by little as resentment gnaws away at the foundations of love and trust. Anger is a devastating force, and its consequences should sicken us. The psychiatrist closes with these words. He says, anger-related destruction of the human life and spirit is the incredible national disaster. It's a personal tragedy in the lives of millions, millions of people. The book of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, it says, And don't sin by letting anger gain control over you. Anger wants to gain control over you. And the choice is, will I allow anger to gain control over me? And a person can go, well, I can't help it. That's not true. That is not true. You you can say, well, I won't help it, (laughs) you know. But you can. When you see what the consequences of anger is, you know, I mean, can you see anger portrayed in this pen over here, this pencil here? It's like you can tell that someone is bearing down, right? There are consequences, and it usually has to do with destruction. There's consequences to anger. But the Bible says, and don't sin by letting anger gain control over you. Now, we're going to see other places in the Bible where it says be angry, but don't let it gain control over you. And there's a time factor in which you can deal with that. But here he says, and don't sin by letting anger... Gain control over you. And don't let the sun go down <clears throat> while you're still angry. Hmm. Now, there was a uh, a lady, you ever heard of Phil Stiller? She was a lady comedian. And she heard this statement, it says, never go to bed angry. And she said, yeah, that's right, just stay up and fight all night. <laughs> I don't think that's what the Bible meant when it says, you know, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. I don't think that's what he meant. But God gives us a time factor, you know, to settle things. And God has given us, and it's not really 24 hours, you know, I mean, because you get up, what, six or seven or eight o'clock, whatever it might be, and then something goes on during the day, well, then you've got until the sun goes down to settle it. And God gives us that. Because what happens? Have you ever been upset or angry with someone and a few days pass and really honest to see you can't remember what got you so aggravated anybody ever been there other than me <laughs> it's like susan i know i'm mad at you but i can't remember why could you help me here it's just like because a lot of times it's trivial stuff it does not justify anger you see it's trivial it's very insignificant. And the Bible says, he gives us time. And listen what he says here. Ephesians four twenty six. 26. And don't sin by letting anger gain control over you. And don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Get it settled before the sun goes down. You know? It goes on. Uh, this little uh, article I came across says, anger is never sudden, most of the time. Anger is never sudden. It's born of a long prior irritation that has ulcerated the spirit and built up an accumulation of force that results in an explosion. But it didn't just happen. There's a building process. There's a slow burning fuse. You know what I'm talking about? And it's just like that's this... That's the straw that broke the camel's back, you know. But the Bible tells us not to let the sun go down while we're still angry. In, in the book of Proverbs, chapter 14, verse 29, it says, Those who control their anger, you, you mean we can control anger? Anger don't have to control me? Uh huh. He says, those who control their anger have great understanding. Oh, wow. They have great understanding. And those who can't control their anger, well, they don't have much understanding. He says, those who control their anger have great understanding. Those with a hasty temper will make mistakes. You did something, you said something, you took action in haste. When your tempers were rising, you were angry, you are irritated and aggravated, and you did something that you wish you'd have never done. That's what he's talking about here. You know, steel, like it's found in a, uh, a blade or something other. another, steel, you think about this, it loses its strength when it loses its temper. Same with Christians. When we lose our temper, we lose our strength. A knife that has lost its temper, I mean, you can't keep the thing sharp. It just dulls by looking at the thing almost. It loses its temper and it's lost its strength. And as you and I lose our temper, we lose whatever strength we may have had. Proverbs fourteen twenty-nine. let me read verse 29. And verse 30, it says, those who control their anger have great understanding. Those with a hasty temper will make mistakes. A relaxed attitude lengthens life. Now, is an angry, raging attitude, does that feel good? How many has ever been controlled by a rage or anger at some point in your life? Or you've been around it. It's just like, you you don't like that. But the Bible says a relaxed attitude, it lengthens our life. I like the idea of a relaxed attitude. Ephesians, going back to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27, it says, For anger gives a mighty foothold to the devil. Now, I don't think anybody here consciously would invite the devil To put his foot into your home. I don't think so. Because the Bible says. The devil comes to kill, steal and destroy. Anything that has to do with kill and steal and destroy. That's the devil's work. You know. But the Bible tells us here. He says. Anger gives a mighty foothold. To the devil. A mighty foothold. I can visualize this. You know. Tonight when you get ready to go to bed. And and whoever it is. Make sure all the doors are locked in your home. You go there and you, you know, the door is ajar. It's like, hey, a cat or a possum could come in here. Let me close that. And you see this great big old number, you know, 18-size work boot stuck in the door. The light bulbs burn out. You can't see who's in the boot. But you see somebody's leg and their boot stuck in your door so you can't close the door. Now, if, if that really happened to you, would you go, well, I can't get a cl- door closed tonight? I'm just going on to bed. Would you? No way, man. Because if somebody's got their foot in the door, it's probably because they want to bring the rest of them in. And if they didn't knock and you invited them in, they're probably up to no good. And the Bible says, don't let the sun go down. Don't let it get dark. After, when you're closing the the doors for night, don't let the devil get a mighty foothold into your into your life and when you go to bed angry I'm telling you the gospel truth you have allowed the devil to get a foothold into your family into your life into your home your finances your your, your health and your relationships and all those things you've allowed the devil to get his foot in the door and his goal is to bring the whole rest of him in he says here for anger don't let the sun go down on it, for anger gives a mighty foothold to the devil. See, anger is an acid that can do more harm to the vessel in which it is stored than on the person on which it is poured. Does that make sense? If you've got anger in you, it is like an acid. And it just eats us away. And we got to get rid of that. Because when we have allowed anger in us, it's doing damage to us. It's it's, it's allowing the devil to have his big old foot, a stronghold, into our life. And that's why the Bible says you got a day. You got a day. Before the sun sets and you go to sleep, settle it, deal with it, forgive, pray, whatever you got to do, do it. And you can do it. It's not, well, I can't do that. No, it's, a, I won't do that if we were to be honest with each other. <clears throat> Let me pick up in verse uh, 27 and go into verse 28. It says, For anger gives a mighty foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, he goes on to say here, stop stealing. Begin using your hands for honest work and then give generously to others in need. Verse 29 says, Don't use foul or abusive language. And we usually do that when we're angry, right? People who get angry, they start using foul and abusive language. He says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. No anger-filled words. That's what he's telling us here, you know. You know, When you reply to a nasty remark with a nasty remark, that's like trying to, uh, you ever get dirt on your hands and you need to wash it off? Can you imagine taking a bar of mud to try to wash the dirt off with? You think it would work very well? And if somebody's angry and they're throwing angry, nasty words at us, and, and we're trying to settle things by throwing angry, nasty words back, it does nobody any good. It really doesn't. Picking up in verse 30 here, Ephesians 4 30 says, And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He is the one who has identified you as His own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Verse 31 says, Okay, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. If Uh, Rage is anger that's escalated to a high level. Get rid of all bitterness and rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of malicious behavior. Did you know this is in the Bible? It says don't do the anger thing. And if you are going to deal with anger because something came up, you got until the sun goes down. If, if you go beyond the sun going down, you have invited the devil with his destructive powers into your family, into your life, into your finances, your relationship, everything in relates to you. You've invited the devil in if you go to sleep angry. Now, you can like it or not like it, but it's the truth. So it's like, I ain't letting somebody get their foot in my door when I go to sleep. I'm going to break that foot off when I close my door. I mean... There's no way the devil is going to get in the house during the night because we're going to settle things. Does that make sense? Is, is that not like a wise thing to do? I mean, we don't want the devil coming in. He goes on to say in verse 32, instead of this bitterness, rage, anger, harsh, and all that, says, instead, <sighs> settled it, you be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. That's all it takes is to forgive, isn't it? You can forgive and then the anger is gone. I forgive you. The Bible says a soft answer. It turns away anger. That soft, that calm answer, it just, it just turns anger away. It says, instead be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. And then in Proverbs 16, 32, it says it is better to be Patient than powerful. Patient. Are we patient when we're angry? Usually not very. It says it's better to be patient than powerful, and it's better to have self-control than to conquer a city. Now I'm going to read to you the New King James Version, and and notice what that word patient means. He who is slow to anger. A patient person is slow to get angry. Some people, you push your button, and they explode. But if if you're going to try to push this person's button, I'm on like 4,000 button, and I can't get them angry. They're slow to get angry. They're forgiving, you see. He says here, it is better to be patient than powerful. And then the New King James says, he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. Now, we like to pump iron. We like to get in shape. We like to be physically and and financially strong. But he says here, he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. If you're slow to get angry, it's like, you know what? No, I'm not going there. It is a choice, is it not? If someone said, I'm going to give you a million dollars a if you don't get angry, could you choose not to get angry? Sure you could. You mean you could do for gold what you wouldn't do for God? He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit... You know, it's better than he who can take a city. You ever heard of Alexander the Great? We've all heard about him, and <clears throat> he conquered the world, you know. Well, what few people know is that this mighty general could not conquer himself. Cletus, a dear friend of Alexander the Great, and a general in Alexander's army, became intoxicated one night and ridiculed the emperor in front of all of his men. Blinded by anger. Would you say those three words with me? Blinded by anger. Once again, blinded by anger. And that's what anger does to us. Blinded by anger, quick as lightning, Alexander snatched a spear from the hand of a soldier and he hurled it at Cletus. Though he'd only intended to scare the drunken general... His aim was true, and the spear took the life of his childhood friend. Deep remorse followed his anger. Overcome with guilt, Alexander tried to take his own life with the same spear, but was stopped by his men. For days, he say, he laid sick, calling out for his friend Cletus, chiding himself as a murderer. Alexander the Great, he conquered city after city, after city. He conquered country, after country, after country. But he failed miserably when it came to conquering his own self, his own anger. And I'm telling you, through Christ Jesus, we can conquer anger because anger's goal is to conquer us. And God tells us not to let anger control us, but we can control yeah, that's just the truth of it. 1 John chapter 3, verse 15 says, anyone who hates another Christian is really a murderer at heart. And you know that no murderer, that murderers don't have eternal life within them. God considers hate the same as murder. Hating people is the same as murdering them. That's what he's telling us. James chapter 1 verse 26 says if you claim to be religious but you don't control your tongue, you're just fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. See, if salvation does nothing for our temper, well, it can do really not much for our soul. If we have not allowed God to gain control of our heart, of our mind, of our tongue, you see, because anger all, often, you know, uh, displays itself through our tongue, does it not? And have you ever let some words slip out and you like, where did that come from? And I, f- I hear people all the time when they find out my pastor a like, "Oops, <laughs> oops." <laughs> well, I'm sorry, pastor. And he's like, don't be sorry for me. I mean, God's with you all the time. You know, he hears everything you say. Don't, don't be concerned about me, you know. It tells us in 1 Samuel chapter 20, it says Saul, remember King Saul? He boiled with rage at his own son. Boiled, the Bible says. He boiled with rage at Jonathan. This is what he says right there in your Bible. He says, you stupid son of a whore. That's what he said to his son. You, You see anger raging in him? He swore at him. Do you think, I don't know that, You want David to be king in your place, shaming yourself and your mother? Verse 31 says, As long as that son of Jesse, the son of Jesse was David. You remember David who killed Goliath? As long as that son of Jesse is alive, you'll never be king. Now go and get him so I can kill him. But what has he done, Jonathan demanded. Jonathan was close friends with David. Why should he be put to death? And then Saul hurled his spear at his own son, Jonathan, intending to kill him, his own son. So at last, Jonathan realized that his father was really determined to kill David. What we see here is anger. Anger breaks things, destroys things. Every good and wholesome and healthy thing that God has given us, anger, 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 it's just missing one word, one letter, What happens if we put a D right here? Every time you begin to get angry, you know, and that word anger, just remember, danger, danger, danger to you in all areas of your life. Anger is dangerous. You cannot give in to anger. You cannot let anger control you. If you do, you go to bed with a great big old malicious foot stuck in your door that intends harm while you sleep. The Bible says you get it settled before the sun goes down. That's what he tells us, you know. When anger enters the mind, wisdom leaves. When anger begins to control, anger renders men insane. They'll do things... When they're angry, and the you know, a normal mind, they would never dream of doing, and they regret it so much later on. It just it renders us insane, you know? And, and if you're angry, you, you have no lack for trouble. You've always got something to talk about. There's always trouble here and trouble there and trouble every, every, everywhere. When you're angry... See, a soft answer will turn anger away. He said, nope, not coming in here. Not bringing that great big old size 18-foot boot in my house, you know. You're not bringing destruction here. No, you're out of here, man. I'm going to just heal up now. You know, relationships are going to heal up. All of the things that's going we're just going to heal up. We're just going to move forward. No longer is <clears throat> anger allowed in. See, some people think that they have a dynamic personalities because they're always exploding, you know. You ever know any people who explode? It's just like you kinda like, you know, I think I've got to go home and change the air in my tires for something. Nobody wants to be around there when anger is, you know, displaying itself. There's a testimony of a marriage going through some rough times, one night George passed the breaking point, and emotionally he exploded. He pounded the table, he pounded the floor. I hate you, he screamed to his wife. I won't take it anymore. I've had enough. I won't go on. I won't let it happen. No, no, no. Several months later, George woke up in the middle of the night and he heard strange sounds coming from the room where his two-year-old son slept. So he had been going to bed at night with his great big old devil-sized boot in his home. George walked down the hall, stood outside his son's door, and shivers ran through his flesh. In a soft voice, the two-year-old was repeating word for word the precise inflection, the climatic argument between his mother and father. The little two-year-old was going, I hate you. I won't take it anymore. No, no, no. You don't think that what happens in us trickles down to our children? It really does. George realized that in some awful way he had just passed on his pain and anger and unforgiveness to the next generation. See, apart from forgiveness, the monster, this this and, and it is a monster you know, it awakens from its hibernation and begins to do its dirty work. It begins to devour the present, and it begins to devour the future. <clears throat> now, I don't know if this is cool with you guys, but I've already kind of decided I was going to do it. So don't get, don't get mad at me for what I'm going to do, okay? I'm going to show you a little clip little movie clip, and it's of a a guy by the name of Bruce Banner. Do y'all know who Bruce Banner is? He had some kind of a reaction in a laboratory, and as long as Bruce could keep his cool, he was fine, but when Bruce Banner began to get angry, he changed. Let's just watch this little clip. And Bruce, you gotta fight.
1: This is just what
0: Loki wants. We're gonna be okay, listen to me. You
1: hurt? We're gonna be okay. I swear on my life, I will get you out of this. You will walk away and never Your wife!
0: Whoa! Enemy's banner! Try to think! (laughs) I just wanted to show you just a little piece of that. If you didn't figure it out, that is the incredible Hulk. And he's the nicest guy in the world, unless you get him angry. just like a lot of you. Do you change when you get angry? Do you see the destructive powers That lady was trying to keep him calm, keep him calm? But he got angry, and it brought about a transformation It was not good. And although we laugh and we chuckle, but it is so true to what happens in our own lives. That's why the Bible says, don't you dare let the sun go down while you're angry. Don't release that destructive power in your life. It harms everything that you value, everything that's dear to you. Do not let that happen in your life. And he tells us we can have control over it. Don't let it have control over us. Bruce Banner became a monster when he was angry, and that's what happens in a lot of our lives. When we become angry in the Bible over and over, it warns us and it tells us about what happens here. In 1 Kings 22, verse 52, it says, but he... Ahaziah did what was evil in the Lord's sight following the example of his father and mother and the example of Jeroboam son of Nabat who had led Israel into the sin of idolatry. Anyhow, we see like father, like son. We we see like that little kid, that two-year-old kid that was learning to say things that he'd heard his dad say. See, that anger... That's passed from generation to generation. It's very contagious. But what we need to be doing is teaching our children how not to give the devil a foothold in your life. We need to be teaching our children how to overcome anger and not how just to vent it and express it and and so forth. Psalms 37 says, verse 8, it says, are y'all there? Psalms 37, verse 8, y'all see that up there? Let's read it together. It says, stop. Your anger. Stop. You you understand? Stop. Stop. It don't mean just slow down. It don't mean, well, you know, come Christmas. It says stop your anger and turn from your rage. See, the Bible teaches us I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, maybe we haven't stopped. And when we get angry, we just say what we want to say, you know. I'm an honest person. I just speak my mind. Well, that's dangerous, you know. It really is. And we need to learn what the Bible says. Stop your anger. Turn from your rage. Do not envy others. It only leads to harm. I was reading these articles, news articles, about the grievances that prisoners have in prisons. And here's some of the things that they're suing the system for. The prisoners are suing the prisons and, and, and the government. They're, being served, they're suing because they're being served chunky peanut butter and set it smooth. They're suing the government because mail deliveries are sometimes scheduled while they're napping. Now, we laugh at this, but it's actually, actually going on. And they're being forced to listen to country music. And they're suing the government because they're being forced to listen to country music. There's over 39,000 lawsuits a year that have been filed, you know, from those that are behind bars, complaining about cruel and unusual punishment, eating chunky peanut butter, getting mail when they're napping, and being forced to listen to country music, you know. Everybody in prison is angry about something. About something. Now, it seems pretty foolish to us, doesn't it? What about things that anger you? Are they just as foolish? Could you honestly say you've been angry about some foolish? If you you wouldn't even tell me what it was because you go, it was so simple. I just kind of wanted my way and to get my way, so I just got a blow all of them. It was like but it was just so foolish. You know what I'm talking about? That kind of stuff happens, what the Bible tells us. Matthew chapter 5, verse 21, it says, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, which means you idiot, is answerable to the Sanhedrin... The courts, but anyone who says you fool will be in danger of hellfire. Did you know the Bible says you're not supposed to call somebody a a fool? It says, therefore, you're in danger of the fire of hell. But now, God, who knows all things, if He wants to call somebody a fool, He has all knowledge. He can do that. It says in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 16, it says, a fool is quick tempered. Quick tempered means very angry. An angry person and a fool are the same thing, so says God. But he says, we're not allowed to call somebody a fool because we'll be in danger of the fires of hell. Tells us how bad it is to call somebody a fool. But anger and, and foolishness always go together. He says, a fool is quick-tempered, but a wise person stays calm when insulted. Ecclesiastes 7.9 says, don't be quick-tempered. Don't be quick-tempered. I'm talking about very angry don't be quick, tempered for anger is the friend of fools. Is your best friend Mr. Fool? If you're angry, you're always given anger. It says, Mr. Fool is your friend. Because anger and, and, and Mr. Fool always go together. It says it in the New King James, the same verse there, it says, anger rests in the bosom of a fool. If you're angry... God says there's foolishness that lives inside of you. That's what he tells us. Proverbs 14, 17 says, Those who are short-tempered do foolish things. Hmm. The Message Bible says it this way. The hot-headed, that's talking about those who are short-tempered, the hot-headed do things they'll later regret. They say things they regret. They do things they regret. Have you ever seen somebody kick something? And you're mad at their car because it won't crank, and they kick it, they break their toe. Do you know what I'm talking about? You see anybody who's getting angry and punches the wall or something? They break their finger, their hand. They got a cast for eight weeks now? Do you know what I'm talking about? You're looking too serious at me here. It's like, huh, <laughs> we must be getting somewhere close to home. You know, about 34 years ago, when I first entered the ministry, I punched a hole in the wall. I really did. Thank God I just missed the stud by that far. Yeah. I, I repented, asked God to forgive me, and we figured out how to put an aquarium in the wall there. <laughs> I'm serious. You asked Susan, we did. And I just thank God I was not where the stud was at, you know. But it says here Proverbs 14 17, those who are short tempered do foolish things things that they later will regret. Proverbs 29 verse 11 says, a fool gives full vent to anger, but a wise person quietly holds it back. Hmm. Proverbs 19:3 says, people ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then are angry at the Lord. We we make dumb decisions. We do stupid things. And then we get mad at God. Why'd you let that happen to me? It's like, I was doing my best to stop you from doing that. And we get all upset at God because God allowed us to do what we were intent on doing. You know. It's really interesting when you see it. it's just foolishness. It really is what it is. Proverbs 19:11 says, People with good sense restrain their anger. Whoa, restrain. You know? You go. Whoa. You ever seen that happen? Girl, guy on the horse, it was like, whoa. It's under control. Stop. Did, did you hear what it said there? People with good sense restrain their anger, they earn esteem by overlooking wrongs. You can go, whoa, to anger. You don't have to let anger fully vent itself. Well, it feels good just to get it off my chest. I'm not quite sure it does because all the damage it does when you're exploding and letting it out there. I don't think it really does you any good. You do a lot of damage that you can never restore afterwards. Anyhow, it says in Proverbs 20, verse 3, it says, avoiding the fight is a mark of honor. A wise man, you know, pushing buttons, pushing buttons, like, no, that's all right, I forgive you, that's all right. Okay, you knocked out of my hand, I'll go buy another, that's all right. A little coward, you cowards like, you know what? A fool is gonna push every button you got. It says avoiding a fight is a mark of honor. You wanna be a man of honor, a woman of honor? Or are you gonna let the devil just push your buttons Make you blow up, be like the Hulk. Destroy everything around you. Just destroy everything, you know? What good is that, you know? Proverbs 23 says a, Avoiding a fight is a mark of honor. Only fools insist on quarreling. Insist on quarreling. We're going we're to quarrel. You know, it takes two to argue, doesn't it? Hang on, argue. How many of you how many have you ever argued with a telephone pole? You might try it for a couple minutes, but it won't argue back. So you can just leave after a while. And see, we can take that posture as well. He says here in Proverbs 29, verse 22, a hot-tempered person starts fights. Hot-tempered, very angry person starts fights, verbal, physical, and gets into all kinds of sin. Pride ends in Humiliation while humility brings honor. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 says, Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Love does not demand its own way. Anger does. That's my way. Love does not demand its own way. Love is not irritable. Do you know anybody who is irritable? Don't look at them right at the moment. Love does not demand its own way. Love is not irritable, and it keeps no record of when it has been wronged. Are you keeping a record of how many times somebody well, they did this and they did that and they did this and they did that and they did this and they did, and they did that? Aren't you glad God doesn't do us that way? He just forgives us. He just completely has cleansed us. It hit newspaper front page in eighteen in the eighteen eighties when the Hatfield clan feuded with the McCoy. Y'all heard about them? And that wasn't just make believe; that actually happened. Started in 1880s, from across the border of Kentucky, historians disagree on the cause of the feud, which captured the imagination of the nation during a ten-year run. Some cite it was some civil war tensions. The McCoys sympathized with the Union; the Hatfields with the Confederacy. Others says it was it, it began because the McCoys blamed the Hatfields for stealing hogs. And this actually happened. As many as 100 men, women, and children died during their feud. And, and a lot of people can't even figure out why did it start in the first place. Just like us. Why do we get aggravated? I don't know why, but I'm mad at him. You know, I don't know why. And I'm sure it was a good reason. You know. Can't even remember. In May of 1976, Jim McCoy... And Willis Hatfield, the last two survivors of the original families, they shook hands at a public ceremony dedicating a monument to six of the victims. McCoy died February the 11th, 1984, at the age of 99. He bore no grudges, and he had his burial handled by the Hatfield Funeral Home. It took him a hundred years to get up for the anger. A hundred family members died. Uh, untold amounts were wounded and maimed. But over a hundred of them actually died from their anger. And they, they, they couldn't close their door at night. There was a big old boot in there. See? And their anger turned them into monsters like that incredible hulk that we saw. It says in uh, Matthew well, let me see. Do I have time to go there? No, I don't think so. Let's see. Okay, well, let's just stop with this passage right here. James 1.19, it says, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, And slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Human anger never makes things right. There is a righteous indignation. It's a whole different animal. We're not talking about that tonight. But it's something that inspires us to do the right thing. But human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So then he says, so get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. And the way we do it is confess it to God. Say, I'm, I, I've been sinning with my mouth and with my thoughts. I've been angry and judgmental and critical and bitter and full of rage. And I recognize now it's sin. It's allowed destructive powers to be at work at me. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. So the Bible tells us to confess it to God. What does God do when we confess our sins to him? He forgives us. He cleanses us. He closes the door where that boot has held it open. You know, it says, so get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. So we got to do what the Bible says. Don't give in to anger. Do not give in to anger. We're going to close with a song, and I'd like you to listen to it. And in this song, it's just talking about in the eye of a storm. Sometimes a storm can be multiple things, but one thing the storm is often found, it is in anger. So in the eye of the storm, Although it can be used as many other things, I want you to think about this and how God's dealing with you right now. And then I'll close with a word of prayer.
1: When the solid ground is falling out from underneath my feet Between the black skies and my red eyes I can barely see And when I'm feeling like I've been let down By my friends and my family I can hear the rain reminding me In the eye of the storm You remain in control In the middle of the war My soul You alone are the anchor When my sails are torn Your love surrounds me In the eye of the storm Mm -hmm. When my hopes and dreams Are far from me And I'm running out of faith I see the future I picture Slowly fade away And when the tears of pain and heartache are pouring down my face, I find my peace in Jesus' name, in the eye of the storm. I did my best, now I'm scared to death that we might lose everything. And when a sickness takes my child away and there's nothing I can do, my only hope is to trust you. I trust you, Lord, in the eye of the In the middle of the war, you guard my soul. You alone are the anchor when my sails are torn. Your love surrounds me in the eye of the storm.
0: Your love surrounds me in the eye of the storm. And you know what? God's going to take care of us. He's going to take care of every one of us. And what we, we have here is we have the manufacturer's handbook. He tells us how to act. He shows us how to respond. And all the things that are, are, are coming against us, we can trust him because his love is going to surround us in the eye of that storm. And what's in the eye of the storm? Peace. You know, a hurricane, in the, in the eye of the storm, what's there? It's calm. In the presence of Almighty God, although there's all kinds of things raging around us, like that incredible hawk. but in the love of Almighty God, in the midst of that storm, there's peace when we find our relationship with the Almighty God. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I thank you for your provisions that you have made for us. You know every detail about every one of us and you love us. That's why you sent your son to the cross to pay for our sins. That we could be forgiven and live with you forever. Lord, there are storms that come against us all and we're looking to you to be that peace in the midst of those storms. As our heads are bowed, I ask you to join me in a simple prayer to renew our faith in Christ. To reaffirm your faith in him. If you already know him, would you join me as we pray? If you're not sure things are right, would you pray and invite Jesus Christ into your life as your savior, as your Lord, as your king, as your provider? Could we pray together right now? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. That's why you sent your son. I believe that Jesus died in my place. He was my whipping boy. He paid for my sins. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead and he's knocking at the door of my heart and I open that door right now and I welcome Jesus into my life as my Savior, as my Lord, and as my King, as the peace in the midst of every storm. That's who Jesus is. In his name. Amen. And amen. You know. Before you leave tonight. I just want to encourage you. You know. I've got this little. Uh, or oh, what do we call this. Our weekly challenge. And it just simply says. Knowing that human anger. Does not produce the righteousness. God desires. This week. I will stop letting anger control me. He says, I will. And what I'm doing is giving you an opportunity to check that off. You go, that's me. I'm going to stop. I'm not going to get angry. I can turn the other cheek. Somebody insults me, I can say something positive. I can do that. See, the devil whispers to so say, like, you can't. Oh, yes, you can. My Bible says you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Is that right? can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So if you agree with that, knowing that human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires, this week I will stop letting anger control me. If you agree with that, check it off. Drop it in the tithe box on your way out. Oh, and and uh, if you pray to me just now and you welcome Jesus into your life as your Savior, if you stop at our Connections desk on the way out, We've got a little gift bag there. It's got a Bible, a movie, and some little goodies that I believe would inspire you. And if you're a guest with us, just let me know hey, this is my first time here in a long time. And we have a, a, a nice, awesome gift for all of our, our guests. Don't forget also, if you have been praying for the folks down in Louisiana, say, boy, I wish there was something more I could do. If you want to send a contribution to them, we'll be sending a gift to them this week to some of the churches that we know of who can make a difference in other people's lives. And we also work through Samaritan's Purse. That's uh, the organization that, you know, uh, is run by Billy Graham's son, you know, so uh, Franklin. So if you'd like to, there are the buckets that are around, you can give there. So if there's anything else, oh, at the end of the service, if there's any needs that you have, there'll be folks around the altar who would love to pray with you. And I'm telling you, God, he still answers prayer. Let me just ask real quickly, how many of you, and don't do it if you're not 100% convinced, but... How many of you would testify that God has genuinely, miraculously answered prayers in your life before? Just raise your hands. I'm telling you, we serve an awesome, a wonderful God, do we not? Absolutely. Well, if you would make it a point to get to know each other, shake somebody's hand, high five somebody, hug somebody's neck, God bless you, you are Dismissed.